Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A, a BJJ, BJJ Marriage. Marriage, where we talk about our lives as a married jujitsu couple. Alrighty. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello, welcome to another episode of A BJJ Marriage with your hosts, Brittany Lee and Nick Lee. Woohoo! We have Starbucks today. <laughs> <laughs> And it's actual real Starbucks, not my fake Starbucks cup. Yeah, we got it uh, delivered this morning because we were too lazy to leave the house. He's lying. We were too lazy to leave the house. It's actually 6 p.m. right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's how our day has been. I've been lazy all day. It's been nice, though. We kind of needed it. Yeah. We trained a lot. We did do a lot of training this week. We train a lot and we work a lot. And I think we deserve to lay in bed until 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday if we feel like it. Because that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> this was you. What are we doing? <laughs> Get up. And then I got up and had cereal. And then you're like, let's take a nap. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what happened, actually. And I was like, okay. Well, I woke up because my dog woke me up. And she was like, feed me. And yeah, then I fed them, brushed my teeth, made some coffee. And then I went and woke Nick up. And he's like, how long have you been awake? <laughs> I was like, only like 20 minutes, so not that long, but we should get up and start our day, because we have to record, we have errands to run, we wanted to go for a winter hike today that we did not do, <laughs> and quite a few other things, and then we decided to take a nap instead. We. <laughs> I did, I did agree, so I guess we decided. You slept longer than I did. Yep. I don't even think I actually fell asleep. Scarlet was deep breathing underneath the blanket, even though I uncovered her. Our dog likes to bury herself underneath the blankets and breathe like, because <sighs> she can't breathe. Yep. But she chooses to stay under there. Yeah, she would rather die than come out from under the covers. Pretty much. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. How was your week of training? It was good. I, well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, liar. It was. I still had a great week. Yeah. I still trained... I actually rolled every day this week that we were there, Tuesday through Saturday. That rarely happens. Typically, I'll take one of those days off from rolling. Just like I'll be there if I go all five days, but I won't roll all five days. So I actually got to roll. I didn't get to roll as much as I wanted to, but I think that's okay when I push my body a little bit further than I normally do. Especially because my knees are terrible right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should do some physical therapy I've been recommending. Hmm. I feel like I've been getting a lot of recommendations from a lot of people, and I just want to roll. (laughs) Yes. It's one of those problems in life that doesn't get better when you ignore it. (laughs) I'm not ignoring it. I'm just not rolling on my knees. I'm surfing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But you aren't doing anything extra to try to remedy it. When I think about it, I do. (laughs) Okay. For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, I have been having some issues with my knees on and off for the past couple months now, but it seems like within the last two weeks, they've just gotten significantly worse to the point where I especially cannot kneel on them, but even just like a light touch hurts to the extreme where I want to cry. So it's been pretty rough. And I have still been rolling. Like I said, I rolled every day this week. But I am, like I said, surfing. 
so I'm pretty much just like jumping across people, standing, passing, and flying around their back with just my chest on their back like a wrestler, <laughs> and that's it, because that's all I can really do right now. But I taught my first class this week. Yes, you did. Which was intense. Intense? <laughs> <laughs> it, you did a great job. Thanks. Yeah, you taught your first class all about arm bars and nogi. I don't How did know it feel? what else to say about it. <laughs> so, when we say first class, we mean first adult class. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> you teach kids every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was an aggressive noise, Scarlett. She's in doggy jail again because she decided to... Just, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about her dogs. Um, but I know that you had some nerves coming up to this. So, why don't you talk about that? <sighs> okay, so... I have been teaching people how to do jujitsu for probably about a year now, like at classes, especially beginning classes. I'll be working with the newbies. I'll especially take the females and I'll show them a little trick or two of things that I do to make a move easier or better for myself. Or I'll be explaining moves in details that maybe they are not understanding. So I'll explain it in a different way. And then I teach the kids every week too. So on Wednesdays, I help our other coach, Thaddeus, teach his class to the kids, and then on Fridays we teach our kickboxing class and then also a competition class for the kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm very used to having to explain jujitsu to people, but I've never had to do it for an hour straight. And it was extremely overwhelming because I didn't know how I was going to teach, like, however many moves I needed to teach within an hour. Like, I was like, I can show you one move, I can mm-hmm. practice it, I can perfect it, I can tell you every detail you need to know about one move that I really like, but how am I supposed to go on and on and on for an hour? And it was really stressing me out. I was really freaking out about it for a while. And I think I decided the night before what I was going to actually teach, like mm-hmm. in a sequence. And then I had told my dad about it because he was out of town, so that's why he wanted me to teach it. So he wasn't even going to be there. And I told him exactly the order of the things that I wanted to show He's like, why don't you leave, like, the triangle stuff out and just focus on arm bars? And I was like, you just ruined my entire plan. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't tell me that. (laughs) Now I have to redo this whole thing. Because my plan was, because I can't be on my knees, so I can't sit in someone's guard, and I can't really attack turtle or be in turtle or things like like that. I had to think creatively, and I was like, okay, I'm going to show attacks from guard. Because then someone can be in my guard, I can be on my back. I can work on different attacks from there. And I was like, well, I'll teach like, you know, armbar, triangle, omoplata, kimura, that kind of stuff. And then uh, my dad was like, but you like armbars and you're good at them. So why don't you just show those? And I was like, but I don't want to show a whole hour of armbars. <laughs> <laughs> why not? I was freaking out about it. You just didn't think you had enough content? Yeah, pretty much. I didn't think that people would learn anything from me showing them basic beginner armbar moves, which it ended up not being that at all. But that's, <laughs> that's okay. in my head what I thought it was going to be. I was like, I could teach you an armbar from guard without the gi. Okay, then what? <laughs> and that's where I really had to start thinking outside of the box. And every time I've been talking to someone about it at Fluid, they're like, well, why did you freak out? Like, you teach the kids all the time. And I was like, I just didn't know what kind of content I was going to deliver. And if I was going to explain it well enough, and if I had even enough to talk about. 
And they were like, well, it was really good. I'm like, yeah, I just kept thinking of things as it kept going. So that's good. <laughs> it ended up working out pretty well. But I showed, for the record, six different arm bars. Oh, yeah. That I didn't even know that I do on a regular basis. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's super fun. And it's cool how you kind of put it together a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you allowed people to follow along and your movements, what works, what doesn't work. And I learned a couple things. So cool. That's good. <laughs> I taught everyone one of my favorites, and then I also showed one that I had never even done before, actually. I was looking up some stuff um, from John Donaher on YouTube, trying to figure out what kind of arm bars I can show, and there was one that he showed that I had never personally done, but it looked easy enough that I could have incorporated it to the movements that I was doing, and I did, and now I use it every day. That's awesome. <laughs> like, I showed it on Wednesday, and I think I hit it. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday on multiple people. That's fantastic. Really should get you the Lachlan Giles armbar anthology. Yeah. <laughs> you can work on your Choyo bars. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, overall it went really well. Like I said, I showed six different armbars, and it was all from the guard, but it was attacking in different strategies. And like you said, I kind of put it together where, like, I showed it this way, but maybe you go the wrong way, so I'll show you how to finish it going the wrong way. And then we showed it from standing up in someone's guard, and it was it was fun. It ended up being really fun, and it ended up not being a beginner class, so that was cool. That was super cool. Did you, how do you feel afterwards, after you taught the class? Relieved. <laughs> it was over. <laughs> I'm done with it. That's it. That's the end of my teaching career. <laughs> I think the most intimidating part was when everyone first lined up. Mm. and I was the one standing under Master Pedro Sauer and Master Elio Gracie, and it was me, little blue belt me, in not even a key. Little <laughs> blue belt me. Blue belt. And all of these people were just standing, staring at me. There was, I think, 21 in class that day, and I was just staring at all of you guys, and I was like, this is not right. This is not okay. <laughs> you did great, though. Well, thanks. It was, it was probably because you had a good okay. Mm. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> Never mind. No, I'm kidding. Nick is everyone's okay, and he's actually very good at it. I'm an okay whore. He's a... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm fine with it. You're a professional okay at this point at Fluid. I have not yet been paid to be an okay, so... No, but you're everyone's okay. <laughs> Can't call me professional okay. Is there a competition for that? I would like to enter. For an okay? Yes. Best okay competition. We can make it happen. Got some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so yeah, that was my first time teaching adults. And you also got to teach the adults this week, too, which is not unusual for you. You kind of sub in whenever they need you to at this point. Mm-hmm. You've been teaching adults for probably about a year yeah, or two. Two and a half now. years. Really? Yeah. Has it been that long? Yeah. Well, especially if you talk about like 6 a.m. classes. Yeah. Yeah, because you help sub for those Excuse all the time. Me. Yeah, I help sub um, whenever there's last minute <laughs> cancellation. Yeah. And then they're like, throw in that ookie guy. Yeah. <laughs> How do you come up with your content? Like, what do you decide to teach? Like you, I used to stress out a lot. Did you? Yeah. I was like, oh, man. So it's going to get easier? Yes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> like you, when I first started teaching classes and not even private lessons because I feel like that's a step past teaching classes because it's like more content and less time. But um, 
yeah, I used to be like, oh no, I got to teach like stuff that works together. Um, and ultimately that comes from me comparing myself to my teachers that I've learned from, which is not a healthy way. <laughs> and as long as you can teach something coherent and are able to describe what you're actually doing, as long as your teaching isn't just, I do this, so it looks like this, you should try that now. Everyone got it? Okay. <laughs> okay, great. Right. Shows it once, this like super complex highlight reel move. Got that? <laughs> no. Right. But as long as you can like break it down into a few steps, and it especially helps if you can talk about some concepts of why you do some of the things, what what your goal is, but outside of just what the technique is. I think that really helps. It doesn't even matter if things are linked together. Um, it does help if things are linked together because they are, it makes it more coherent mm -hmm. for like a, a complete system. But if you just teach like some of your favorite moves and are just able to share in general, your class is going to be good. People are always, if they don't know it yet, they learned it. If they do know it, know it they are going to learn a different perspective on it. Yeah, and that's what I was told, too, is that it's probably, like, a different perspective for them because even if they have seen it from maybe you or Brent or Jason or Mike or, like, if they've seen this move, but they've never seen it from me. Mm -hmm. So it was probably a unique experience for people to have to learn from, you know, a female because besides Ellie, no one really at the gym teaches as a, a female. So, I don't know, I kept trying to get people to not show up, though. <laughs> I uh, I did not tell anyone that I was doing it. I think I told like four people. And then your dad told the whole gym. Yeah. And then a week before, he's like, I won't be here next week, but Brittany's teaching. And I was like, I wasn't telling people. And he's like, oh, well, Brittany's teaching next week, so make sure you're here. And I was like, I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and That's then, good advertising. And then Brett, who's about to get his black belt in a couple weeks, actually, he I was rolling with him yesterday. He's like, sorry, I couldn't make your class. I'm like, that's okay. I didn't want you here. <laughs> <laughs> And he, he kind of looked offended, and I was like, I didn't want any black belts there. I didn't want any higher belts there. I didn't even want my husband there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're teaching, try not to judge yourself by what other people have taught in the past. Mm -hmm. Because just like any skill, the more you teach, the better you get at it. And everybody right. starts somewhere. Right. Right? And, yeah, I think that's a big, big part of teaching just getting over that first, like, rip the bandit off, try it, see what it's like. Well, I think that was another piece of advice that people were giving me, too, was you should teach something that you like and that you're good at. It doesn't necessarily have to go with the curriculum. You're subbing anyway. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be, like like you've said, a highlight reel. Like, we're not trying to be fancy jujitsu artists here. We're just trying to learn jujitsu and have fun with it. Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest pieces of advice I got was just teach your bread and butter. And arm bars are absolutely my bread and butter right now. Yep, definitely. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. And just think, in like a few years, when you and I are teaching like dual seminars, which is going to be like the next step of teaching or something so, like that. So, when you say that, you mean like loop choke, arm bar, what else? <laughs> back takes. <laughs> take the back. Take the back from everywhere. Triangle mounts. Yeah, mounted triangles, rear triangles. I don't do triangles from guard, though. I'm not good at them. That's right. That was actually one of my armbar moves this week, is you, you do the triangle, but <laughs> when you can't get it, because 
people at our gym really know how to defend triangles. Shout out Joanna. But uh, <laughs> people don't really get triangle as easily in our gym as I've experienced in other places because we're all just so used to stopping Abro's legs and things like that. Adam Conley's legs. Adam Conley's legs. And uh, so I taught that you basically bait the triangle. You shoot your legs up like you were going to do a triangle. As they're defending it, they're going to posture up. And then there's two moves you can do from there. You can either turn yourself an arm bar or you can just take the arm that's already inside and pop it on the other side. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like arm bars. Yes. They're very fun. And it's yes, funny too are. because at the end of my, at the end of teaching on Wednesday, I had said to everyone, I'm like, and if you guys roll with me, you know that these arm bars are actually not even the ones that I get you with. Because the ones I get you with revolve being on my knees, and I can't do that right now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, that's fun. So besides relieved, how did you feel after teaching? I do honestly feel like it helped. Like, I felt like I was able to, because I had to articulate what I was doing, and yep. every step that I was working on, when I was able to start working on it a little bit more, like that John Donaher one that I was working on throughout the week, I was like, okay, I actually kind of know what I'm doing right this second. And that's like a very odd feeling because I never know what I'm doing in jujitsu. <laughs> well, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I tell all the people all the time is that like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just do it. Because that's, jujitsu is just like, what, what do we call it? Something chaos? Habit? <laughs> no, it's like some type of chaos, like controlled, controlled chaos or something. But that's exactly what I am. I just I move with the motions, and I don't really know what I'm going to do until I'm about to do it, because it's all based on your opponent's reactions. Yeah, and those are called habits. <laughs> you have habits You don't know anything about habits. No, I know nothing. You're, you're <laughs> correct. <laughs> yeah, but that's your habitual jiu-jitsu. And one day, you're going to put your habitual jiu-jitsu on top of your logical jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. and then you'll be, like, unstoppable. And it's going to be great. Hopefully. Yes. One day, right? Yeah. But, yeah, so how would you say that teaching a class is different from being in a class and learning in a class? Well, being in a class is a lot less stressful because you just show up. Yeah. <laughs> and even if you're having a bad day, you can just listen while they're teaching and just, like, go through the motions mm-hmm. and then, like, go home or roll and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but... There is such a thing as a good student and such a thing as a bad student. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which we'll talk about. But um, I do like teaching a lot because I really like breaking down and articulating what I am doing when I'm doing the move. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, the nitty-gritty of jiu-jitsu really comes out is in the transitions and the setups for moves. Because techniques, we all under- – well, I shouldn't say we all, but – you start to understand like the basic mechanics for like arm bars, basic mechanics for triangles, basic mechanics for sweeps and stuff like that. But at the same time, everybody that you're trying to do it against also understands those basic mechanics. So they're not going to just let you get to that point. So like you can teach an arm bar over and over, but if you don't teach a setup that works, then you're not going to ever finish the arm bar because mm-hmm. people are never going to let you get there. Right. So, that minutia in the transitions and the minutia in the specific type of baits that you use for these mechanics is really where jiu-jitsu thrives and where um, jiu-jitsu becomes an art. 
one of those spots. Mm-hmm. And that's where when you see people who have been doing it for so long and they're just so swift in their motions, it's because they've built that habit. They've practiced those concepts. They mm-hmm. have learned all of these submissions thousands and thousands of times that they've made made it work for their own body. Yes. And that's why it takes so long to get your freaking black belt in this sport because you have to work at it. You have to actually practice it to make it look mm-hmm. swift and look good. Like you can know the concept all you want, but then kind of going back to what I said, like I go off of my partner's reaction because yeah. that's just all jujitsu is, is going off of what your partner's doing. Like you're not going to try to sweep someone when you're in mount. Like you can learn a sweep in class, but then when you get to mountain, you're like, oh my gosh, I want to sweep them. Oh wait, I'm on them. Like things like that. Like you, you mm-hmm. have to learn what your partner is doing in order yes. for a move to actually click and work, which is why drilling is so important. Because if you learn something once, then like, how are you ever going to bring that back? Is like yeah. you said, I have it. Yeah. And also like every position that you're in has a dovetail of possibilities. So it's like, you know, a tree where it's a branch with a bunch of branches off. But it's kind of like circular, mm-hmm. where it all connects back to each other also. That's why flowcharts are impossible in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but as a good teacher, you're able to get to a position and set it up properly. And then um, talk about the different types of reactions that you normally get from that position. And what you should do when they react a certain way, for the most common ways. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really where... Like somebody that's done jujitsu for fifteen years is gonna excel over somebody that's done jujitsu for two years. <laughs> Almost at three years. Yeah. Speaking of years, kind of off topic. I just saw on my Facebook today that one year ago today, exactly, I competed last. <laughs> so that seems like a really long time ago at this point. I was ready to do the uh-huh. one in February. My knees are not ready for that. But I had went 4-0 in that competition. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. But I was Ooh. I got really excited when I saw that on my Facebook. And I yeah. was like, ooh, look <laughs> at that. <laughs> I have not stopped training at all since that time. Yeah, that's awesome. Even when I was injured. You can kick the shit out of her. I was just about to say, even when I look at that three-stripe white belt, I'm like, hmm, she sucked. <laughs> like, she went 4-0 that day, and I could kill her. Yep. Yeah. And that's why you're a blue belt. Mm. <laughs> or more. <laughs> yeah just a blue belt yeah just that. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's fun when you put those together a good teacher will also be able to feel the room and decide if they should teach more complex things that they're actually going to be able to follow or if you should go back to um breaking down other basic mechanics I do have to say, because this was my first time teaching a large group of people versus just like helping a pair at a time or something, mm-hmm. I did notice that I didn't get as much of a satisfaction of when people got the move as I do when I'm like right next to them and watching them like get that light bulb go off through their head. Like mm-hmm. when I'm working with someone and I can explain things through to them, like through the move on how to do it, and then they're just like, oh, that makes sense. Like, it's really cool because then you can kind of build off of that. And I imagine that's exactly what private lessons are like. Yeah. But when you're teaching 21 people and you're just going around and helping, you can go, like, fix one move over here and then you can fix a different part on this part. And, like, they'll understand that, but maybe they're not doing the whole thing the way that you expected them to. And it's hard yeah. to get to every single group. Yes. So, like, it was still cool to see people get it. 
but you also didn't know like which of the 10 pairs were actually getting it the way that you wanted wanted them to get it or if they're just doing it Mm -hmm. just to get through the move you know what i mean yes so i would say it's more uh i don't even know the right word i enjoy it more working one-on-one with someone or helping a specific couple i think there's a huge value in when you teach something and then you see people rolling and doing that move yeah and then you're like move of the day Mm -hmm. and they get it and they're like move of the day yeah (laughs) yeah that one's fun too that's always super fun (laughs) i love when that happens yeah i guess it was just kind of hard because i also was walking around and then you can go to those people that you're just like you got it yeah i got it okay and then you just kind of walk away whereas like working with someone through a move you get what they're understanding what they're not I don't know. I mean, teaching was still cool, and I still did enjoy myself, even as stressed out as I was, but yeah, we'll see how the future goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People did tell me that they learned a lot, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess that was my biggest goal, too, was I didn't want it to be a beginner class. That was something that I was super stressing out about, because I wanted to just teach a beginner class. Like, I knew I knew how to build off of more when you're doing a beginner curriculum Mm -hmm. but apparently that's harder (laughs) because there's so many beginners in the beginner class that it's almost impossible to help them all and then that goes back to my last scenario where like you can't be everywhere at once you can't help 21 people at once you can only help who you're who you're with yeah absolutely they super don't get it then you're just with them the whole time Mm -hmm. so when you teach beginners you really have to deconstruct the move mm-hmm. in a coherent way mm-hmm. because beginners don't even know what they're trying to do or like what the end result is. Mm-hmm. So it's you have to really articulate it in a way that they can follow and remember mm-hmm. and break it down into just like simple steps and leave out a lot of those little details so they can start getting those motions in and start learning jujitsu at its rawest basic form. Yeah. And if you don't, if you aren't able to articulate it like that, then uh, the beginners are going to be extremely lost. <laughs> right. And then it's even harder. So, but yeah, that I guess was kind of my biggest problem was I didn't want to teach it as a beginner class because we already have two days a week as a beginner. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to. And I, I even said when he first asked me to teach a Wednesday, I was like, are you serious? Because Wednesday is like the one day a week that I go in and I walk out learning something completely brand new that I've never seen in my life. <laughs> and I was like, how am I supposed to do that for other people? <laughs> like, it was so baffling to me that I was like, you expect me to teach other people how to do something brand new? Which, yep. that wasn't even the expectation. But <laughs> I think I still actually succeeded on that. But that was not an expectation put on myself other than me putting it on myself. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of what it boils down to, too, is the expectation, right? Expectation versus reality. Right. Which you also know quite a bit about. <laughs> yes. Managing expectations. Yeah. I just didn't want people to be bored or, I don't know. I wanted people, my hope was that I could show something that I do that people have seen me do but don't do themselves. And I think I I think I did that. Yeah, you did. Which was kind of cool. It was a cool feeling. <laughs> yeah, that's very fun. It was also funny because I showed that last armbar that I showed, I was like, I wasn't even going to show this today, but this works really well. Yeah. I'm really excited about this. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and I was just going to say that too. Uh, I used to plan ahead a lot, like what am I going to teach? What am I going to teach? But nowadays, I, the only thing I plan ahead is like a topic. 
and then I just kind of like flow through the class, mm-hmm. depending on time, depending on what people are catching on to, mm-hmm. and it's just like, yeah, I would break down what I would do in a role, but extrapolate it over an hour mm-hmm. for one specific move or position. What are your favorite things to teach? Uh, loop what, chokes. You like teaching it? I know you like doing it. <laughs> yes. I love loop chokes, especially the look on people's faces when they're like, that's why I'm not getting it. <laughs> the light bulb. <laughs> yeah. Seeing the light bulb is one of the coolest things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love teaching um, side control mm-hmm. and how to take the back mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. How to hold the back, how to attack the back. Mm-hmm. Recently, I've been teaching everybody the taco grip. Yeah. <laughs> or no, not taco. Ice cream cone grip. I know you meant. Yeah. Ice cream cone on the fingers. That one's fun. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, I guess because we also teach kickboxing too to the kids. And I've been somewhat helping coach in like adult Muay Thai too. I don't run the class yeah. or anything, but I've definitely been helping out some of the beginners. And I really enjoy teaching people how to kick. <laughs> like... I think it's super fun because when people first join a sport that involves kicking, whether it's karate, taekwondo, muay thai, any of those striking martial arts, even (laughs) soccer, yeah. Honestly, well, I played soccer for so long that I think that that might have actually helped me in muay thai. But I I remember, oh yeah, for sure. But I remember when I first started training in muay thai, I couldn't throw a kick to save my life. Like, it was so sloppy and no power and no footwork or anything. And now I have a pretty decent and powerful kick. And I love teaching other people how to do it. And I especially love teaching the kids because some of them get it really well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, got to make sure I hold pants. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say outside of jujitsu, I love teaching people how to throw a good body or leg kick. Yep. Yeah, striking is fun. Striking, I think, is harder to teach because it's like there's so many little mechanics, and a lot of times you just have them do the same thing over and over, and it gets kind of repetitive. Mm-hmm. But you have to have those basics before you can break the rules and do what you want. Yeah, I feel like we also learn so much about ourselves when we're teaching too. Like I just actually came up with a new analogy for the kids in teaching them how to kick properly, where I'm comparing it to a swinging door. And so, you know, when you're going through a, not even a revolving door, but maybe just a a door that swings open rather than pushes or pulls, and it just kind of like almost floats back and forth. And that's how I told kids that their kicks are looking when they're not turning their hips. Like it looks like they're just kind of swinging their leg rather than doing any type of technique with it. So I teach them to not be a swinging door. And I do it in a bunch of different steps. Yeah. But I figured out that's the way that I do <clears throat> my teaching style in general, as I do it in steps. Yeah. So, like, when I'm teaching kids how to break fall, or when I'm teaching them how to kick, I don't just, like, fly into it and show them, like, here's the ten steps on how to do it. I'll be like, okay, these are the first two steps. Let's just practice these right now. Once mm-hmm. you got these down, we'll add on step three and four. Once you have all four of these down, then we'll add on five and six. And once you have those down, then we'll make the whole move flow together. Yeah. It's good I, philosophy. I like doing it that way because that's how my brain works. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little slow for some people, but it seems to get the point across more of what I want. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I find, yeah, teaching striking is just harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do it even in jujitsu. 
like when I'm just like, okay, let's just focus on this part right now. Like if we're doing a side control attack and it's with someone who doesn't really know side control, I'm like, well, let's figure out what side control is first. Let's get our knees and our elbows in the right spot. Let's get our chest in the right position. Let's mm-hmm. get our pressure right before we even start worrying about what you're going to do from here. Because if you don't have any of this, you're not going to ever be able to attack. Position over submission. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. <clears throat> yeah. That would be a big logo too then for teaching is position over submission. Always. No matter what art it is. <laughs> Yeah, you want to make sure you have dominant positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you said we wanted to talk about... Students? No. What about students? Uh, Being a good student or... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah? Was that what, what you were it? thinking? Yeah. What is it to you to be a good student? To be a good student is you shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> and pay attention. You silent llama. No, I'm just kidding. Silent Llama. Quiet Coyote. Whatever you want to call it. No. Uh, Having the learner's mindset is huge. Yeah. Especially like the higher belt you get, it's really easy to fall into a trap of somebody's teaching a class and something that you believe that you understand completely. And then you just kind of tune out what they're doing. And then when it's time to drill, you do whatever you like to do anyways. That's, I mean, not a bad learner, but like, you're not coming to class with a learner's mindset. You have to be willing. I think we talked about this last week. You have to be willing to be humble and admit to your faults when you're in class. Because there's always something to learn. There's always a little detail that maybe you're not picking up on. There's always a detail that maybe you're missing or that you could add to your game to make your whatever move you're doing great rather than good. Mm-hmm. So you have to be willing to learn in order to get better. An awesome example of that was at our last Gentle Art Lifestyle Camp. Um, John Friedland taught the first seminar, I think that day or something. And then he was sticking around and drilling and working through the other seminars. And I could see like how intent he was listening and um, picking up on everything that was being taught and just how open he was to learning. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome to see because he has been doing jujitsu longer than everybody in that room. Right. <laughs> and he's seen most things <clears throat> taught over and over mm-hmm. multiple times. And he's probably taught some of those things to some of the people that were teaching. Right. But he's still always there, open, listening, paying attention, and doing what he can to pick apart what he can learn from that situation. And that's super cool. That's why I love going to beginner class. Because I even noticed when you were teaching yesterday that you were showing, I don't even remember what move it was, but it was obviously a beginner move because it's beginner class. So something that I've seen tens of hundreds of times at this point, or even done multiple times myself. And I was still watching every single thing that you were doing because I was trying to pick up on maybe something that I wasn't. Yeah. Or going back to the teaching style is like, I know I'm about to work with someone in this beginner class who has never seen this move. Mm-hmm. And I need to know to tell them every single step rather than just the big, big picture of it. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Oh, we're doing the up and over. You don't want to just like lift your hips and expect them to go over. Like it involves all of this and this and this, and like there's all these steps leading up to it. So I always try to listen on those little details, especially in beginner class, because I know that I'm also going to have to reiterate those details. Mm-hmm. A couple of things that I always do when I'm, <clears throat> Uh, in a class as a student is 
I look for the things that our instructor is not telling us. Me too. <laughs> like placement of their body for every part of their body. Yep. And sometimes I can pick apart things and add that to what I know, mm -hmm. which helps. An example of that for me, especially this week, was on Tuesday at our women's class, Ellie, who's our purple belt, she was teaching sweeps from guard. So the scissor sweep, the knee push sweep, things like that. And she taught everything perfectly. Like, she's a great and phenomenal teacher, and I love learning from her. But I did notice that after we clapped and everyone went off on their own, we have a lot of beginner women in the class, and a lot of them weren't having their foot placement on the hip correctly. So I had just made a little comment to her, and I was even skeptic on doing mm -hmm. it because I was like a blue belt telling a purple belt, like, what they're missing. I didn't, I didn't feel right doing it, but I was just like, maybe, like, a small detail that we could add in is just, like, saying how to put the foot on the hip. And she was just like, oh, yep. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, like, it's not a huge deal. And she's like, no, it is. And so she told everyone in the class right then and there. But sure. like, that was something that I noticed was missing. And I was like, yeah, I'm noticing everyone is like not doing anything with their foot. Like, I would totally get their leg out of the way if they were trying to uh, do yeah. a, what's this called? Knee, Knee shield. shield. <laughs> yeah. Like the, that's the detail I added in when I put the knee shield in. I almost told you to. But then I little, added it. Yep. Because literally on Tuesday, I was like, we're missing that detail. And then yesterday, <laughs> I noticed you didn't do it. And I was like, meh. <laughs> okay, I guess. <laughs> but then I added it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was I was breaking it down even further. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I, I try to extrapolate what I do and put it as long as I can. Yeah. So that people can get the whole scope of it. Well, I know that was one of my armbars on Wednesday, too, because you were my okie. Mm -hmm. And I think the first or second time that I went through it, I was just like, so you do this and this and this, and then you break the arm. And then I saw your face and I was like, what? And then you're like, nothing. And then I just, I explained it like two or three more times, but then I actually explained how to break the arm. Yes. And then at the end, I was like, what were you going to say? And you were like, well, I was just going to say that you should explain how to break the arm, not just break the arm. And I was like, <laughs> I was getting there. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but that I was, was my step-by-step -step process. Yeah. Like, here's the first three steps. Okay, now you've seen me do this twice. Now here's how to finish it type of thing. Yeah. That was my in-step process. Because I've learned that if you show it all right away, then... Okay, the way that I've seen it is that you either show the entire move to its complexity in the first time, and then you break it down for the next like three or four times where you show it, or you start little by little and lead up. Mm -hmm. Those are the two ways that I was kind of doing it. Because for yeah. that last arm bar, I showed the whole thing without even explaining it. It's like, okay, so we're going to start how we did. And then I went silent and I did the whole move. It's like, okay, now let's break it down. This is what I did. Yeah. The other way I've seen classes taught, which is how I intend to teach the next time I get an opportunity to teach an ogi, is you start from the end position and the breaking mechanic first and then show the ways that you get there. Mm -hmm. So that people know what the goal is, especially when it's kind of something new for them. Yeah. Like my next nogi class I teach, who knows when, <laughs> it's probably going to be uh, reverse triangles from the back and that triangle armbar that I did twice in competition last week. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if I started just teaching a whole bunch of setups to get there, they're going to be like, wait, how am I supposed to end up again? Yeah. So I'm probably going to start out, okay, this is how a triangle from the armbar, our triangle armbar from the back looks like. Mm -hmm. Let's practice choking and breaking arms here. Yeah. Just put yourself in this position. Right. Then we'll work up to that position from here, get there from guard, get there from the back take, all that kind of stuff. 
That's what I really appreciated about the last Gentle Art Lifestyle Camp, too, is that Charles had something completely planned differently for his seminar, which was the third seminar of the day. Yeah. The first two kind of fed into each other on roughly the same position, but different movements. And Charles was like, well, I was going to show something completely different, but I'm going to change it up right now. And we're going to build off of what the other two just taught because then it'll stick better. And I remember that night when we were all hanging out, all of us were in agreement that that actually made the entire day more. It, it made Memorable. everything stick more Yeah. by going into each other. That's so, what she said. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so we talked about what being a good student is. Well, like, I was what? also going to say with being a good student is that's the way I approach life in general is being a good student. Mm-hmm. Like, I talk to a lot of people driving for Uber. Yeah. And I talk to a lot of people in general um, trying to form new relationships, like, all the time uh, for work, for jujitsu, for just I like making good relationships with people. And one of the things that really helps me build good connections with people is um, I live under the philosophy that you can learn something from anyone. So everybody is an expert in certain things. Mm-hmm. And um, yourself included, you are an expert in something. I'm an expert in something. You're an expert in multiple things. And if you get on the right topic, they're going to share their expertise with you. And that's one way to really build trust is to show that you are listening to listen instead of listening to respond. And um, just letting them talk about what they're an expert in and learning from them in general helps form a really great connection because the next time you see them, they'll remember, he was a really good listener and talked to me about whatever. And it doesn't matter like what type of person I am. I'm still always going to be that person that's like, making good connections with people and learning from people mm-hmm. in general. Like I've learned so many things just driving Uber and talking to people. I'm sure. <laughs> Which is awesome. People are fascinating. The amount of, like you said, expertise that they can share with you is just kind of astounding when you meet new people and the life experiences that they've had. I remember we were just talking to a black belt who was visiting our gym yesterday and he was telling mm. us all throughout his life about how he he served in the military and he also like, got to travel. He met his wife down south, even though they were both from Wisconsin, but they met in a different state, and how he was a firefighter at one point, and all these different life experiences that he's had. And he wasn't an older, like, too much of an older guy. He's probably in his, like, 40s or 50s. And so, like, he's lived, I told him, I was like, wow, you've lived a pretty experienced life. And he's just like, yeah, I've been around, mm-hmm. or just something along those lines. But just to have experienced life in the way that he has or not even just him but anyone we've all had our own journey throughout life and fortunately we've had jujitsu as a big part of that and if you're listening you probably do too so <laughs> uh i think it's cool that we can all share those experiences with each other and learn from them mm-hmm. and i really enjoy that about socializing with people yeah and it helps build just trust in relationships in general mm-hmm. when you're able to actually listen to people mm-hmm. instead of just like Trying to talk about yourself all the time. Mm -hmm. Nobody gives a shit. Right. (laughs) But if you give a shit, they're going to give a shit. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things I'm most looking forward to about being a financial planner in the future is like just being able to sit with clients and hear about their stories and not even just about like how a mess of their finances they probably are because they probably need help organizing stuff if they are looking for a financial planner. But uh, 
just like hearing their life experiences and helping them coast through it and figuring out what position they're in, how they got there, and how we can make it better type of thing. And I'm I'm excited mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, it is exciting. It's one of my favorite things about being a habit coach, life coach, accountability coach, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> is just seeing people living lives and um, creating better habits for themselves and just being there for people in general is something that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why we in a way started this podcast the way that we did, sitting on the mats in our geese, because that's what happens at the gym is after you're done rolling, you sit around and mm-hmm. your geese and you just talk. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be jujitsu related. It's just talking and getting to know one another and be building that bond and that trust and that relationship. And I mean, you're literally putting your life in these people's hands every time you roll with them. Yeah, like, they don't have to let go if they really didn't ever want to. <laughs> I got this choke in here. <laughs> you're tapping. I know. But today's your last day, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So just building those relationships are always extremely important. But yeah, I think. um there's one person that I've learned a lot from uh, on through online courses and the internet, Kane, Ram- Kane Ramsey, but he talks about a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> <Words>. <laughs> he talks a lot about relationships, and one of the measures that he has for people's lives is the quality, quality of your relationships will equal the quality of your life. That's an interesting way to put that. Mm-hmm. That's it's true. one of many, but if it's you have true, though, shitty right? relationships through your whole life, like not even just like romantic relationships, but friendships, if they're shitty, uh, coach to trainee shitty relationships, if all of that is bad, most likely your life isn't going to be that great. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to form genuine relationships, good friendships, good romantic relationships, good relationships with your family. Um, and even just small talk relationships with acquaintances, the rest of your life is going to be elevated in a way that is just so much better than if you have to deal with shady relationships. Yeah, it's it's cool that you mentioned that too, because you and I are both working through a My Odyssey multivitamin program right now, where we get to experience more about learning about yourself and your meditation and your work ethic and things like that and just trying to figure out what you're grateful for in life and at Mm -hmm. the end of every week we get to fill out a one to five worksheet on different aspects of your life like how was your family relationships this week how was 10 different categories yeah how was your health this week how was your finances this week and like one through five on all of those things and I had the first week that I did it I think my score was what 88 or something Mm -hmm. and you're like that's really good I'm like what I didn't think that was good. I wanted it to be like 95. And you're like, no, most people are like in 40s and 50s. And I was like, what? Like, how do people get into the 40s and 50s? That's crazy to me. And I was like, that has resonated with me so much this week because I've been thinking about it all week. Like, how do people score one and twos? Like, what do they what do they need to change in their life to make the scores of one and two into a four and a five? Mm -hmm. And I've thought about it a lot in my life that like I surround myself with positive people absolutely and maybe this is like super selfish of me because this is going back to what we were talking about with garrick last week where like i don't associate myself with people at the gym unless i know they're gonna stay because i don't want to set myself up for disappointment and so i have to surround myself with positive reinforcements and i want people to motivate me and i want people to drive me like i just want them to 
be able to make me better. And if you don't contribute to that, I probably don't associate with you. Well, there's the flip side of that where the more you inject that positive energy into people, even if they don't reflect it to you, the more likely it is for it to come back to you. What you give is what you get. Yeah. I was trying to think of like if there are... I used to have a a couple different negative relationships in my life just growing up and family members and things like that. And I I realized that even though it makes me seem like a cold-hearted bitch sometimes, like I cut that out. Like I I don't talk to them. I don't care if you're family. That, That doesn't mean anything to me. If you're giving me negative vibes and you're creating a ripple effect in my life that ends up being negative, I, I will cut it out completely because I don't like that. And then this this week, just for the record, my score was 94 because I was super happy. And the only reason it was that low was because my health was down to a three because of my stupid knees. <laughs> but yes. I can't cut my knees off. <laughs> well, you could, but then your health would be like a two. <laughs> Maybe a one. <laughs> that might be bad for you. No, but... Yeah, I, like I said, I try to treat everybody as if I'm learning from them and I give them a whole bunch of respect and I give everybody like lots of chances. Mm-hmm. And if I feel a, bun- a bunch of negativity coming off of somebody, I don't necessarily cut them out, but I don't seek further conversations or uh, further interactions unless I need to for some reason. But it's it's not something that I just try to make work. You're nicer than I am, though. <laughs> That's just a different philosophy on life. Nothing is generally nicer, nicer or meaner. <laughs> no, you're nicer. It's just than different. <laughs> Who's to judge? What's nice and what's not nice? Hmm. <laughs> anyway. Well. Okay. Well, we're getting long time, so let's talk about what a bad student is. A bad student is um when all the blue and purple belts get together on a beginner class day yeah those are bad students (laughs) yeah when i teach beginner class and all the blues and purples skip the warm-ups and are making jokes at me and won't shut up and when i say circle up they like still sit off to the side and do whatever they want (laughs) no but ultimately and like i said once again who's the judge a good or bad student who knows but a less than ideal student is somebody who thinks that they know everything that you're teaching already. And then when it's time to drill, they like go off and teach their own stuff to whoever their drilling partner is. That completely undermines the professor or whoever's teaching, even if they're not the professor. But it completely undermines the class and everything that the instructor who has the opportunity to teach is trying to teach. I think that's probably the worst you can get besides like, Showing up in a smelly ghee and, like, <laughs> just disrupting class for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. I think that what makes you a bad student is if you come in without the mindset to learn. So it's basically the exact opposite of being a good student. <laughs> yes. Crazy. Yeah. But I think that kind of goes off with the same thing with teachers. I think what makes a bad teacher is someone who comes in with the mindset that everyone has to do exactly as they say, exactly as they say it, and how they do it. And expect people to not venture off and make it work for their body. Because another mm-hmm. thing that we preach make at adjustments. Fluid. Yeah. Something we preach at Fluid is like tailor jujitsu to your body. Because everyone has different body types. So maybe not everything is going to work for one person as it does for another. So if there's a teacher who comes in and is like, I'm going to show this. 
and you have to do this. And if they come over and you're doing it maybe a different way, they're like, well, why are you doing it that way? So I think that's kind of can make a bad teacher is expecting. Yeah, somebody's not humble. Somebody thinks that they are the know-all be-all yeah. of jujitsu. Yeah. And I haven't really come across that, thankfully. I'm sure there's some out there, but I have not experienced it personally. <laughs> but, I mean, I have in high school. I've had some pretty bad teachers in high school that are very, especially with uh, essays and things, because there was mm. no right or wrong answer. And especially if it's like a persuasive one or an editorial one or things like that, and you get yep. like a D on it, and it's like, well, who are you to say that my perspective is wrong just because it doesn't fit your narrative? Hmm, interesting. So there are definitely some some teachers out there that I would consider bad just because of that definition. Yeah. It was funny because Mike Coy and I learned the grilled chicken guard this week <laughs> that I was using all week, which was fantastically fun, <laughs> by the way. But um, Preet Mickelson in the instructional, he will talk about moves and why he's doing things. It's and a then, Preet move? Yes. I should have known. It's a Preet guard. I should have known. <laughs> I said it multiple times. You just don't listen to me. <laughs> but Preet would say, this is what people do most of the times. And you could do that, but you shouldn't do that. <laughs> and it was super funny because Mike and I would just look at each other and be like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> people do do that all the time for some reason. But just don't do that. Yeah. That's why, I don't know if you saw, but on that Wednesday class when you were teaching, Mike and I came to each other and we were like, just don't do that. <laughs> For what? So, like going the wrong way? Yeah, going the wrong way. And before you even started teaching, we were just bringing up the inside joke at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should just don't do that. Right. No, I mean, I, I just learned when I was doing arm bars that I always wanted to go the wrong way. Like my body just wanted to not go the way that it was supposed to. And so instead of constantly saying like, oh, I'm going the wrong way again, I made it work. And I wanted to just show that even if you don't do something the exact way that it's supposed to be done and taught in the textbook, like you can Mm -hmm. still make it work for yourself. And that's exactly what I did. And that's exactly what I taught. Yes. There is no right or wrong way. There are ways that are better than other ways, but it depends on what the goal is. So if you understand the mechanics, you can make anything work from anywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's where jujitsu really becomes beautiful. Yep. And that's where like sometimes you'll be rolling with people and you understand the mechanics that you're doing, and it's not something that you've ever been to before, but you know, like, oh, this is the goal, and I'm in this spot, I can make this work. Yeah. And then you make something happen, and then whoever you're rolling with is like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. <laughs> Why did my arm break like that? Right. <laughs> and you're just like, well, I don't know. It was, I just saw it. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that makes jujitsu super fun. That's and, the other part about being a good student, figuring out what people are doing to you and learning from others. Yes. Yeah, you can be a student while you're rolling when you're not even being instructed. Karen Barron. Shout out Karen Barron. <laughs> Karen you're, does a good job at that. She is the only person that comes to mind first when I think about someone who learns as they're rolling. Like, every time I do something new to her, I literally see her face just going, huh. And I'm like, no, stop it. You're not supposed to know this. I'm doing this to you so I can beat you right now, so knock it off. <laughs> She is good at that. She is. She's a sponge. It's super fun. She's a very fun mm-hmm. girl. So shout out, Karen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do that a lot, too. I figure out what's happening to me. And most times, things won't happen to me, like, multiple times in a row. Hmm. I don't learn like that. 
It's like, ah, shit, that was bad for me. Actually. Let's not let that happen. I think I'm starting to learn Just like don't that. do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to learn like that now that I kind of know a little bit more about jujitsu. But I remember I rolled with Jason Lippert once and he just kept sweeping me with the same move over and over and over and over and over. And I had mm-hmm. no idea what he was doing or that it was even the same move. I just felt like he just kept beating me. And in my head, I was like, well, he's a black belt. So, like, <laughs> I don't fine. care. But then I realized, like, probably after the 10th time, I'm like, he's doing the same thing to me. And then he's just like, how uh-huh. are you going to stop this? And I was like, I don't know because I just figured it out that you were doing this. Mm, <laughs> so yes. I don't learn that way. <clears throat> At least yeah, I fine. didn't. Yeah. It comes in waves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just want to roll. Sometimes we're showing up to have a good time and learn. And sometimes things just click better when after you've seen it for so many times. It's like just... It's hard to say when that's going to happen mm-hmm. because there's so many things to learn. Right. But I think the whole premise of this episode is just to be a good student, go in with an open mind when you're learning. And if you ever do get the opportunity, notice that I said opportunity to teach, uh, just take advantage of it and mm-hmm. really showcase what you're good at. And even if you're not good at it, learn from what you're doing and how you're articulating things. And it'll probably. Not saying guarantee because you're not supposed to do that in finance, but <laughs> uh, it will probably make your jujitsu better. Yeah, anytime you teach in general, which is something we didn't really talk about, you understand what you're doing more because you have to articulate it. We did talk about that. Okay. Remember, I said I could do my armbar better this week because I had to articulate it. Okay. And that's why I just kept that's hitting great. it on people. <laughs> and then they were just like, I know what you're doing, and you're still doing it because I can't stop it. And I'm like, yep. Yep. <laughs> And, <laughs> but yeah, and nice. measure the quality of your relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did get into that way. quite a bit, right? Yeah, but I, that's a huge part of why my life has been great recently. Yeah, I will leave it at this because there was one one time a couple months ago that I was going through a really hard week, and I was venting to Nick about it and just saying like. I didn't feel like I was going anywhere with what I was doing and the goals that I had were being diminished and everything. And I just, I was feeling very down and he had brought up like, well, you're an expert at something. And I was like, I'm not an expert at anything. And he was like, you are an expert at multiple things. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, I'm not an expert at jujitsu. I'm not an expert at finance. I'm not an expert (laughs) at this. And then he was like, instead of showcasing on the things that you're not good at, why don't you focus on the things that you are good at? And even if they're so minuscule, like maybe it's you're good at taking notes or maybe it is you're good at making ramen noodles. Yeah. Like it can be so little, like there's something that you're really good at that probably most people in the world are not just because it's your thing. And so whenever you're feeling really down on yourself, I think you should really like, I was going to say showcase, but really think about the things that you are good at, even if they seem so minuscule. Mm-hmm. And then just write them down, and you'll probably feel better. Yeah, uh, the definition of an expert is being better than like ninety-five percent of the world at that thing. Yeah. So like, there are the top one percent in every field that are the best in the world, and that's typically who we like to compare ourselves to for some reason <laughs> when we're thinking if we're an expert or not. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can be, she's an expert in cooking, but if she compares herself to Gordon Ramsay. She's not that good, mm-hmm. but she's better than 95% of the planet in cooking. Probably. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, and like me, I studied habits. I understand habits a lot. Am I the top habit professor in the world? Absolutely not. But can I break down habits and talk to them about anybody that is not that person? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And it kind of goes the same with jujitsu. Ninety-five percent of the world does not train. So even yeah. if you're a white belt, a blue belt, a, or a brand new white belt, you still know more than the average yeah, person. True. And if you wanted to get a room full of people that doesn't train, you could still probably show them something, even if you've only been training a month. Yeah. So you're an expert at something, even if you're not an expert. Yeah. And don't compare yourself to people in general, but especially not the best people in the world ever. <laughs> There's no need. Yeah. Unless you're directly competing against them, which case, good luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll leave it at yeah. that. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks guys so much for listening. Yes. Have a great rest of your week, and we will see you next week for our one-year anniversary of the BJJ marriage. Woo!